Hello, it's Wednesday, the 14th of December, and welcome to Crow 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang Woo. The former spy chief, Park Ji Won, has appeared for questioning by prosecutors over cover up allegations in the 2020 fisheries official shooting incident by North Korean soldiers. We'll have more details in news briefing shortly. Rival parties continue to lock horns over next year's budget. We'll discuss a key sticking point, cutting of the corporate tax rate uh, for our in-depth today. And then coming up for Korea Book Club, we look at the graphic novel behind the hit Korean series Hellbound by Yeon Sang-ho. We have all that and more for today's Korea 24. Former National Intelligence Service Director Park Ji-won appeared before prosecutors for questioning on Wednesday. It is over the ongoing investigation of an alleged cover-up related to the 2020 fatal shooting of a South Korean fisheries official by North Korean soldiers. To bring us the latest on the probe, as well as our other headlines of the day, our KBS World Radio News Editor Koo Hee-jin joins us in the studio now. Hee-jin, hello. Hello, jang now, Park's appearance comes after prosecutors indicted the former national security adviser Sa Hun last week. That was the first indictment of a senior official of the previous Moon Jae-in administration regarding the shooting death of South Korean official Lee Dae-jun in September 2020. Mm-hmm. So now, Park Ji-won is being questioned by prosecutors. Can you give us the details of the questioning on Wednesday? Appearing at the Seoul Central District Prosecutor's Office at around 9.50am on Wednesday, Park told reporters that he did not receive any orders from former President Moon Jae-in or former National Security Advisor So Hoon to delete intelligence on the death of the fisheries official Lee Dae-jun. He also denied allegations that he gave orders to NIS employees to erase information on the incident. In July, the NIS filed a complaint with the Supreme Prosecutor's Office against Park for deleting intelligence-related reports without authorization regarding Lee's death more than two years ago. So what are some of the allegations directed at Park? Well, an inspection by the Board of Audit and Inspection found that the NIS deleted 46 intelligence reports following a minister's meeting on Lee's case that was held the day after his death. The prosecution suspects that Park, who served as NIS chief from July 2020 to May 2022, instructed the agency to delete the reports on SAR's order after attending that ministerial meeting. On September 22, 2020, Lee was on duty near the Indo-Korean maritime boundary in the West Sea when he was fatally shot by North Korean soldiers who proceeded to burn his body The Defence Ministry and the Coast Guard under the then Moon Jae-in administration announced within days that he was killed while attempting to defect to the North, an assertion retracted by the same agencies in June this year after President Yoon Seo-yeol's inauguration in May. Yes, we'll continue to further developments of that case in our coming episodes. Uh, Continuing with the partisan strife now at the National Assembly, rival parties remain deadlocked over next year's budget, with just one day remaining before the Thursday extended deadline 
set by the National Assembly Speaker. Mm-hmm. So, Heejin, can you brief us on the parliamentary stalemate? Well, the main opposition Democratic Party, which holds 169 seats in the 300-member National Assembly, issued an ultimatum on Wednesday, threatening to submit its own budget bill if the ruling people Power Party does not present a compromise as they wrangled over key sticking points such as slashing the corporate tax rate. This would mark the first time in the nation's constitutional history a party has handled the budget in such a way. The PPP, for its part, blasted the DP for taking the budget hostage to distract the public from investigations surrounding its party chair, uh, Yi Jae-myung. The rival parties failed to hold talks Wednesday morning and instead pointed the finger at each other for the current stalemate. In response to the DP's opposition to the PPP's push to revise the maximum corporate tax rate down to 22% from 25 the ruling party's interim chief, Chang Jin-seok, reiterated that a lower tax burden boosts corporate competitiveness on the global stage. The main opposition floor leader, Park Hong-gun, criticised the inflexible stance of the ruling bloc and the government and slammed their blind observance of President Yoon suk yeols directives. Yes, we'll discuss further today the issues surrounding the corporate tax rate for our in-depth analysis segment coming up later in the show. Meanwhile, main opposition Democratic Party lawmaker Yoon Gan-yang took issue with the government's plan to revamp the nation's health insurance system by essentially scrapping the so-called Moon Jae-in care policy that expanded state health insurance coverage. Can you elaborate? Well, appearing on KBS Radio on Wednesday, Yoon, a close aide of former President Moon, called the government's move moronic and a cause for grave concern. He said that what the Yoon song government is doing will burden the people with astronomical medical fees. Describing the nation's health insurance system as a as better than that of many other nations, the legislator said the government is aiming to destroy it in an unprecedented move for conservative governments and denounced the UN administration as very dangerous. On claims that the Moon Jae-in care policy only led to wasteful uh, spending in health and welfare due to excessive treatment, the lawmaker said exorbitant expenditures were reported in some cases and thus the government should stop its efforts that shake up the entire system. Let's turn now to nuclear power generation. The nation's 27th nuclear reactor, the Shinhanul Unit 1, began full-scale operations on Wednesday. President Yoon Song-yeol marked the milestone with a pledge to revive the nuclear power industry and turn it into a key export sector as well, backtracking from his predecessor's phase-out policy. Can you elaborate? Well, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy hosted a ceremony to celebrate the start of full-scale operations at the Shin Hanul Unit 1 reactor in Ulchin, North Gyeongsang province on Wednesday. The, the advanced pressurised water nuclear reactor designated APR 1400 was slated to commence operations in 2017, but in an earthquake in the southern part of the province mothballed the plans. Construction was completed in 2020, 10 years after the project began and was approved for operations by the nuclear Safety and Security Commission in July of last year. 
at the ceremony uh, commemorating the launch of the nation's 27th reactor. Energy Minister Yi Changyang read out a congratulatory address from President Yun, pledging to revive the nuclear power industry and turn it into a key export sector. The president vowed to double this year's one trillion won budget next year for the industry to foster jobs, research and development and financing. Yoon further pledged to restore South Korea's status as a global nuclear energy powerhouse. And finally, in South Korea, the Unification Minister Kwon Young-se said Wednesday that improving human rights in North Korea is a most urgent historical task. So what did he say exactly? Well, in his opening remarks at the 2022 International Dialogue on North Korean Human Rights, hosted by the Unification Ministry, Kwon said that the people of North Korea do not enjoy even basic human rights, and that with a mutual history, language and culture, South Korea has a duty to support advances of rights in the North. He said that in the case of prisoners of war, of abductees, separated families and defectors, the issue of human rights directly concerns the survival of individuals as well as their families. Former UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon also delivered a congratulatory address and praised the UN administration for placing a priority on the North Korean human rights issue. We'll wrap it up there for our news briefing today. Thank you for those updates. Thank you. At the National Assembly, rival political parties continue to lock horns over next year's budget plan with just one day left until the deadline for parliamentary passage. One of the key sticking points is whether or not to lower the corporate tax rate. If the ruling People Power Party and the main opposition Democratic Party fail to reach an agreement by Thursday, the DP may take the unprecedented step of unilaterally passing its revised version of the budget bill with its majority in Parliament. To get some expert analysis on why the corporate tax cut is an issue, we're joined on the line by two guests. First, we have Professor Kim Yong-jin from Sagang Business School. Professor Kim, hello and welcome to the show. Hello, good afternoon. And we also have our regular contributor for Weekly Economy Review, economics professor Yang jun Suk from the Catholic University of Korea, joining us early this week as well. Professor Yang, hello to you too. Hello. Okay, so the ruling People Power Party and the main opposition Democratic Party are at odds over slashing the corporate tax rate. Professor Yang, can you explain a little bit more for us, for our listeners, what's at the heart of the controversy? Where do the rival political parties stand on this issue? Okay, well, there are currently four tax, uh, corporate tax tiers, uh, 10%, 20%, 22%, and 25%. Now, 25% tax tier uh, applies for uh, companies whose adjusted profit, that is, uh, after accounting for exemptions and deductions, uh, their adjusted profit is more than 300 billion won. And this top tier was established by the previous 
Moon Jae-in administration. Now, what the current ruling party wants to do is get rid of that top tier. Uh, so the uh, firms are charged in paying 25% uh, corporate tax rate will now be paying 22%. Also, for small and medium-sized enterprises, uh, which earn less than 500 billion won in adjusted profits, they will be taxed at the lowest rate of 10%. Uh, and then there are various deductions and uh, exemptions, uh, but Basically, those uh, two elements are the main point of the ruling party's corporate tax reform. And what the opposition party wants to do is they want to maintain the top tier of 25%, arguing that uh, this is a tax to the ultra-rich. Uh, they may have a point because only about 100 firms are affected by the uh, top tier rate. Uh, but the uh, ruling party is saying that this uh, cutting taxes on those 100 firms will have a uh, very large effect on economy overall. Uh, what the opposition party wants to do, maintain the top rate, but reduce the uh, rates for small and medium-sized companies uh, to 10%. So at least that component, both sides can agree on, and the uh, uh, opposition party wants to expand that 10% rate to other SMEs. Right. I believe the uh, expansion of the 10% rate to uh, businesses that earn less than 500 million won was proposed uh, by the uh, main opposition Democratic Party. Uh, the main opposition, DP, criticised the proposed cut in the corporate tax, as you said, uh, in the upper bracket, stressing it that it's... Uh, just the ultra-rich that benefits, and it's only the top 103 conglomerates in the country that benefit. Uh, Professor Kim, what do you make of this criticism? Those defending the tax cuts say that it will have a trickle-down effect on the economy. Well, um, the argument of the main uh, opposition party is half right and half wrong. Um, when the corporate tax rate is lowered, absolutely the big conglomerates are benefited. In particular, considering the fact that the proposed um, tax cut by, by the ruling uh, PPP targets at the companies with over 300 million operational profit, this proposal seems to be very favorable for those super-rich companies. However, when we think about the um, stakeholders of the companies, the argument of the DP is quite wrong. Um, you know, the uh, stakeholders include not only the major shareholders who are super rich, but also lots of uh, shareholders who we call KME investors and employees who will uh, eventually share the benefit of the tax cut mm. in the form of dividend and the special bonus. Um, when it comes to the trickle-down effect, it is quite, you know, complicated to tell. If the big companies increase um, capital investment, then the companies such as construction companies, machinery companies, and design companies may be benefited. If the you know, big companies give more margin to their suppliers, then these suppliers will enjoy the trickle-down effect. But it is highly unlikely in Korean situation. If the big companies invest more in R&D, then um, at the moment there will be no trickle-down effect. Um, they put uh, the savings um, by the tax cut in the retained earnings. There will be no trickle-down effect, too. As a matter of fact, we already uh, have the case in that companies use the saved money by tax cut to buy their own stock to control the stock price. There is no trickle-down effect. Right. When we say uh, KME, uh, KME, KME investor, we mean uh, retail <laughs> right. investors, independent right, uh, right. Uh, investors. Uh, Professor Yang, so 
the DP, which opposes cutting taxes for large-sized firms, is instead uh, proposing raising the threshold for the bottom tax rate bracket. So currently the 10% rate applies for those with adjusted profit of less than 200 million won. Uh, the DP is proposing to raise that to 500 million won. An estimated 54,000 SMEs would get a tax cut uh, rather than just uh, the 103 conglomerates that would get a tax cut in the uh, upper bracket plan as proposed by the government. Uh, what do you make of uh, this proposal? Okay, well, uh, I personally think that the uh, tax uh, corporate tax cut should have applied to everybody, not just on the highest tier and the lowest tier, uh, but for everyone. Uh, but uh, there are some uh, pe- uh, peculiarities uh, with the, not only with the uh, Korean economy, but we did the uh, corporate tax cuts work. Uh, uh, when uh, other countries tried corporate tax cuts in 2017, it did not have an immediate effect in raising investment. Uh, in fact, a lot of the larger companies used the tax cuts to buy back their stock to uh, prop up the uh, stock prices uh, at the time. Uh, so they were actually very much criticized for that. Uh, right now, the thinking is, just the corporate tax cut will not do much to raise investment. You also need an increase in uh, demand for goods of the uh, companies. Uh, so uh, we may not get the benefits of the tax cut until we actually see an economic recovery. Uh, so that's the first problem. The second problem is that uh, even if the corporate tax cut goes through, I'm not sure if there's going to be too much investment because there's a case to be made that Korea has too uh, too much investment already. Uh, right now, the uh, per ca- uh, per worker capital is about 94 percent of the United States. So even if you have a cap, uh, cap- you have a corporate tax cut, I'm not sure if you will get a lot of uh, additional investment uh, unless. Uh, situation changes, uh, whether uh, you have a better return because of uh, economic reforms or uh, there's an increase in demand. But in the long run, uh, the uh, data seems to show uh, that the uh, corporate tax cut does raise investment and does have beneficial effects, but it will be seen in the long run and not necessarily in the short run. Mm. Uh, Professor Kim, also Prime Minister Han Dok-su said that the uh, average corporate tax rate among OECD countries is actually lower than Korea, standing at around 21% maximum. Uh, He added that many countries, by lowering corporate taxes, are promoting investment and attracting companies that create jobs. Uh, What are your thoughts on his comments? Well, uh, in general, Prime Minister Han's argument is true. Um, as, as he mentioned, the uh, average corporate tax rate among the OECD countries is about 21%. Um, our statutory um, corporate income tax rate is 25 It looks you know, quite high. However, when, when we put the GDP amount into consideration, um, it is a different story. Um, the higher the GDP amount of a country is, the higher the uh, statutory uh, corporate income tax is. I mean, you know, that the countries that have higher GDP impose higher corporate tax rate. Um, the UK recently announced that they would raise the corporate income tax um, next year from uh, current 19% to 25%. And President Joe Biden promised that he would raise uh, the corporate income tax from current 21 to 28 percent, although, you know, the plan is halt for various reasons. 
Um, there is no clear evidence about the effect of corporate tax cut, as you know, Professor Yang mentioned. Even though there is a slight you know, proof of it, the effect of tax cut comes later than expected. I mean, you know, there is there's time lag. So we would not have the expected effect when we need it. Moreover, global companies do not move from one country to another due to the small gap, like 2 to 3% in corporate tax rate. When um, it is extremely low, you know, they might, you know, think of that. Um, so, um, and also one of the most important factors for uh, the, you know, global companies' investment decision in foreign countries is the stability of regulatory system, not income tax rate. Hmm. Uh, okay, so uh, Professor Yen, there's also an issue, uh, the concerns about whether this is a manageable level for the South Korean economy. Uh, Prime Minister Han estimated that companies whose annual operating profits are above 300 billion won will save around a 300 billion won in corporate tax next year with the corporate uh, tax rate cut. He also stressed that the size of the tax cut is at a manageable level for the economy, adding that uh, the cut can vitalise corporate activities and raise the incomes of the employers, employees, shareholders and stakeholders. Uh, would you agree with that? I understand that the government's plan would mean a 2.5 trillion won reduction in taxes. Okay, well, uh, the uh, 2020, uh, 2023 uh, government tax proposal says that total tax receipts will be about 226 trillion won. So the uh, uh, 290 some billion won is not even 0.1 percent. So it's basically a rounding error. Uh, but the question is, uh, if the uh, tax cut is this small, then will its effects be any larger? Uh, now, uh, the uh, Korea Economic Research Institute has been saying that the reduction of 3% in the top rate will increase uh, business investment by 12%, or that's equivalent to about 21.5 trillion won. Uh, that sounds like a lot, uh, but com- compared to the total size of the Korean economy, not really. Uh, and then it would raise about 18.9 trillion won of additional tax income. So presumably tax income would fall, but part of that would be mitigated because of the uh, increased investment activity. Uh, so far, the other countries that cut corporate taxes, uh, as we said, there is a weak in, uh, evidence that investment is rising. But no country has so far reported that the uh, corporate tax cut increased their uh, government revenue so much that it. Uh, undid the deficit. So it will definitely have some effect on the deficit, but again, it probably won't uh, affect it too much. Uh, So basically, uh, if this measure goes through, I think it'll have a weekly beneficial effect on the Korean economy, uh, but it will probably increase the uh, deficit by a tiny bit. uh, But because the the tax cut really isn't that large, uh, the uh, benefit I don't think will be all that large either, uh, but still. Uh, we'll take whatever we can get. Uh, so uh, probably it will be better passing the bill than not. Uh, but still, uh, I, my preference would be cutting corporate taxes for everybody. Mm. Uh, what do you make of the criticism, Professor Yang, that uh, this sort of tax cut actually goes against uh, the recent monetary tightening policies by the Bank of Korea to try and tame inflation? Well, uh, I don't think it will matter much because Again, uh, right now, uh, when we see the uh, cases of 2017, when European countries and the United States cut their uh, corporate taxes, 
the uh, investment didn't very, uh, rise very quickly at all. Uh, it actually, most of the benefits took place a lot later on when, in, uh, when demand increased. Uh, ironically, it was during the pandemic because there was a lot of additional investment in the IT sector at the time. So it does seem like it uh, has at least some beneficial effects to in- investment, but you need a uh, increase in demand to spark it. And I don't think we're going to see an increase in demand this year or next year uh, because of the uh, domestic and global expected slowdown because of the high interest rates. Professor Kim, Professor Yang has said that uh, he would like to see uh, corporate tax cuts for all brackets. Uh, but mm-hmm. what do you think? And also, uh, the National Assembly Speaker, Kim Jinpyo, I understand, uh, came up with a compromise uh, to try and uh, resolve the situation, saying that uh, perhaps the corporate tax cut uh, could be implemented two years down the line. Uh, what do you make of those sorts of ideas? Well, you know, uh, when we think about the um, situation of next year, economic situation of next year, uh, which would be a lot exacerbated, you know, you know, than uh, uh, this year, um, probably in low-income families will be suffering. Um, so we need to support these low-income families and the small and medium enterprises, you know. So in that sense, you know, DP's proposal would uh, make a little bit more sense. Um, you know, not like the big companies, you know, two small businesses, including mom, mom and pop stores, um, you know, the tax cut, uh, maybe, maybe uh, um, become their direct income to spend. So um, the, also when we consider the rate of their operating profit um, is around 3 to 5 percent, the small tax cut will ease their financial burdens. So um, if government really want to cut tax, a corporate income tax, uh, they have to focus on, you know, low range of the operational uh, profit so, so that we can, you know, help mm. um, these small and medium enterprises in overcome uh, the difficulties, you know, coming next year. Uh, if I may disagree with Professor Kim just a little bit, uh, I think you also need a, a reduction in the larger firms' uh, uh, ta- uh, corporate taxes as well. Uh, the reason that I advocate tax cuts for everybody is that, well, the smaller firms have the numbers. Uh, so uh, they, uh, they may not increase investment that much by themselves. So because they have the numbers, it may have a large cumulative effect. But for the uh, larger firms, well, they're currently making most of the investment. Uh, their investment tends to be very large. So even though they are few in numbers, uh, they do have the uh, large effect. Uh, so I really think that if you're going to have a corporate tax cut, it makes sense to uh, lower it for everybody. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think, Professor Yang, you know, I um, mm-hmm. humbly, you know, uh, um, understand your position, but, you know, basically um, the big companies, you know, have their own money. And they, they, they made a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, profits, you know, uh, for, uh, you know, last couple of years. So I think, you know, they have a lot of retained earnings and, and they are prepared for, the, you know, future um, you know, dismantle the economic situation. But small and medium enterprises do not have those kind of things. So we need to support them uh, rather than, you know, uh, uh, general tax cut. That's my you know, view. 
Right, gentlemen, we'll have to leave it there today. But uh, we wait to see if the rival parties are able to come to some sort of agreement uh, on this as well as other issues in the meantime over the next day or so. If not, then it could get quite messy at the National Assembly as well. But we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll leave it there. We'll be speaking to Professor Kim Yong-jin from Sarang Business School and Professor Yang jun sok from the Catholic University of Korea. Thank you both for your time today. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 26.85 points, or 1.13% on Wednesday, closing the day at 2,399.25. The tech-heavy KOSDAQ also rose, gaining 13.84 points, or 1.94%, closing the day at 729.00. On the foreign exchange, the local currency strengthened 9.71 against the dollar, ending the day at 1,296.31. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. Next up, it's Korea Trending, our daily segment looking at some of the other news headlines that have been trending online today. And for that, we have Walter Lee joining us in the studio. Walter, hello. It's good to see you. Hello, Chang-ho. It's always good to see you. Okay, so what topics do you have for us today? Okay, so first, we'll take a look at a tragic story of a teenager who survived the Itaewon crowd crush, but was found dead in an apparent suicide. Next, we'll also cover the story of an ex-convict who was caught by police for allegedly killing a woman in her 40s. And we'll end with the news from the World Cup in Qatar as we find out who is the first team that has made it to the final. Yes, okay, so we start with another tragic story related mm. to the Itaewon crowd crush disaster. Can you tell us more? Yeah, so some really sad news was brought to light when the police found a high school teenager dead in an apparent suicide in Mapugu, Seoul, at around 11.40pm on Monday. He was one of the survivors of the deadly incident in Seoul's Itaewon district that took place on the night of October 29th, 2022. Now, police found him at an accommodation while searching the area following a report from his mother that her son was missing. So why did the police believe that it was a suicide? So while there was no suicide note found, a forensic examination of the scene revealed no sign of foul play. Now, a police official said that he is assumed to have taken his own life and no autopsy will be conducted according to the wishes of his family. Police are looking into the circumstances of his death to determine its exact cause. Yes, although we can't be certain yet about the uh, circumstances that led to his death, it seems uh, that he might have been continuing to suffer trauma from the incident, especially because his friend had died that day as well. Yeah, that's correct. So the teenager's friend who went with him to the uh, area passed away in the crowd crush. The teenager made it out and received medical treatment for the injuries he sustained. There have been many reports showing that those who were at the Itaewon uh, crowd crush or the night of the Itaewon crowd crush have been suffering from survivor syndrome, feeling guilty and hopeless, possibly leading to depression. Now, if you have troubles that are difficult to talk about or if you have family or friends who are experiencing these difficulties, you can receive expert counselling 24 hours a day from the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1577 Nine. Yes, another absolutely heartbreaking loss to add to the 158 that died from that fateful night in October and the repercussions continue 
to be felt. Mm. Let's uh, move on to our second story and another uh, grim story, unfortunately. Yes, so a man in his 40s who fled after allegedly killing a woman while drunk has been caught by police. According to the police, the man was a sex offender wearing an electronic anklet, which was damaged at the time he was caught. It is believed that the ex-convict tried to break it after committing the crime, but failed to do so. Okay, so can you tell us a bit more about this incident? When did it take place? Yeah, so yesterday at around 4pm, and that was when the woman in her 40s was killed in the suspect's residence located in Beksokdong, Goyang City. Now, after allegedly committing the crime, the man went to his mother and confessed to the murdering the woman and then fled. Now, the police were dispatched shortly after when his mother reported the crime to the Alcoholism Treatment Centre, where the man had been taking part in a program. Now, around an hour after the victim was murdered, the suspect was caught by the police at Dehua Station, more than five kilometres from his house. And you mentioned that he was wearing an electronic anklet. Yeah, that's right. So in 2008, the South Korean government introduced the GPS-enabled electronic device to monitor sex offenders after they are released from prison. Now, it's mandatory for criminals to wear the device for a designated period of time, enabling probation officers to check their whereabouts in real time. And that's what he was wearing at the time of the crime. He is required to wear the device after he committed a sex crime against two women in their 50s nine years ago. The police plan to investigate the exact motive and circumstances of the latest crime. Right, and this incident will raise questions about the effectiveness of ankle monitors, whether the authorities were keeping track of his movements and whether more could have been done uh, to prevent this murder. Right. Okay, for our final story, we do end with some light-hearted sports news from the World Cup, Mm -hmm. a major win for a major footballing superstar. Yes, so the excitement never ends at Qatar during the biggest tournament in football. And yesterday was like no other. It seems like Lionel Messi's lifetime dream of leading his home country to clinch the World Cup trophy is still alive. Now, Argentina defeated Croatia 3-0 in the tournament's semi-finals, held at the Lucille Iconic Stadium on the 13th local time. So, for the first time in eight years, La Albi Celeste has advanced to the finals. Back in 2014, they finished runners-up after falling short to Germany 1-0 in Brazil. Yes, so this could be the crowning moment in uh, Messi's career. Uh, Going back to the game, though, 3-0, that's a convincing win, Mm. especially in one of the later stages of the tournament. Can you tell us what happened? Yes, as this is the so-called last dance for Messi, he was in the game 100% for sure. In the first half, he got the first goal through a penalty kick in the 34th minute. And then the striker, Julian Alvarez, a rookie born in the 2000s or in 2000, who plays for the Premier League club Manchester City, scored in the 39th minute to make it 2-0. Then in the second half, Messi did one of his beautiful trademark assists to Alvarez for the third goal in the 69th minute, capping off an impressive performance with one goal and one assist. Now, with this result, Messi has taken over the likes of Gabriel Batistuta and Diego Maradona to become Argentina's top scorer in the World Cup finals with 11 goals. Right, so now all eyes will be on who the South South American side will play in the final. Yeah, that's right. So they will be up against either France or Monaco. Argentina will have one last chance to grab the trophy and close Messi's quote-unquote final dance with success. Now, the game uh, final game will be held on the 18th at 6 p.m. local time. And if Argentina wins the tournament, it will be the first time in 36 years they would lift the trophy since the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. So fingers crossed for all the players and may the best team win. 
Yes, if Messi were to inspire the team and lead them to the win, it would be a remarkable way to uh, round off his incredible career and cement mm. his place as the GOAT, the Go. greatest of all time. <laughs> OK, a y we'll wrap it up there for today's Career Trending. Thank you for those stories and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Next up, it's Career Book Club, our weekly segment discovering the world of Korean literature, usually through works available in translation. And for that, we have our literary critic Barry Welsh in the studio with us once again. Barry, hello. It's great to see you. Yes, good evening. Okay, so what are you introducing to our listeners today? So this evening we're reviewing a graphic novel called The Hellbound. The Korean title is Chiok, and it's the story is by Yong, uh, Yon Sang-ho, and illustration and artwork is by Che Gu-sok, uh, translated by Danny Im. And it was initially published in Korea in 2020. The English translation was published earlier this year, But the, there was a very successful Netflix adaptation, which was actually re the, uh, released last year, mm. so before the uh, translation came out. And The Hellbound is a collaboration between film director Yon and comic book artist uh, Che. And I think Yon is probably most famous for directing uh, Train to Busan. Right. But he also directed uh, Soul Station, Psychokinesis, and, and lots of other uh, very successful films. Uh, and Che, I'm not personally familiar with his work, but he's an award-winning artist. He has a very uh, long... career over two decades and his most famous works in Korea is, uh, is a comic book called All, A-W-L, and another one with the intriguing title of A Little Vague to Cry. Uh, but The Hellbound is... Uh, I think his first book in English translation and it's broadly speaking a horror story but it explores some very uh, big uh, philosophical concepts. It's a story about religion and belief, uh, sin, fanaticism, morality, uh, justice, the influence of the media and, and much, much more. Uh, and it has several very interesting characters and an ingenious hook and concept that I think will grip uh, many readers. Well, it certainly sounds like a lot is happening in this story. I believe the graphic novel was originally published as an online comic, a mm, webtoon, mm -hmm. as they say in Korea, starting in 2019 as well. And that soon brought the uh, Netflix adaptation. So what is this ingenious hook of the story that you have teased us with? Right, so the setting is modern Seoul. Uh, some unexplained or unusual deaths have been happening in recent weeks and months. Uh, people have captured strange images of these deaths, which seem to involve supernatural monsters. And we quickly learn that a strange and terrifying new phenomenon has started happening. So people... Uh, at random, they receive a message from a sort of ghost-like apparition. This apparition says the person's name, uh, say, tells them that they're going to hell, and then tells them how much time they have left to live, which can vary from a few hours to a few weeks or, or longer. And when that time arrives, a trio of these uh, supernatural monsters appear uh, as if from nowhere and execute the, the person uh, who received this message. Uh, and the book begins with one of these incidents, so these Three uh, you know, demonic uh, creatures uh, appear and they execute this terrified man who is you know, in a coffee shop and who tries to, to flee. And of course, the public are in shock. No one seems to know uh, what to make of this. 
and uh, a new religion springs up called the New Truth, and they claim to understand why it's happening, but they uh, seem to have some darker motives as, as well. There's also this group of uh, 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 radicalized fanatics called the Arrowhead, which is this sort of uh, internet uh, uh, guru. You'll, you'll be able to recognize some uh, parallels with real life people, and um, <laughs> so this this sort of group of radicals have sprung up, and they've started interpreting the meaning behind these executions and and sort of causing trying to cause chaos in in society in general and so the city the country are on edge and they're desperate to understand the the significance of these you know sort of supernatural spirit you know kind of spiritual events uh and we're introduced to free characters who are are trying to fight or exploit this uh, new phenomenon right so it is a very high concept story and idea Uh, so then who are these three characters that the readers will meet? Right, so uh, the first character that we're introduced to is a widowed detective called Kyung Hoon Jin. And Kyung is tasked with investigating these executions. Uh, he's also struggling to raise his son, who will become important in the story later after his, his wife passed away in an accident. Uh, and Kyung's investigation leads him to Chong Jin Su, who is the sort of charismatic, uh, you know, messiah kind of figure who leads this new religion and you know he's a sort of guru for the growing number of uh, disenfranchised and, and radicalized uh, y- young people and believers uh, and this organization this new religion is also being investigated by uh, an attorney called Min Hae Jin and she believes that they're exploiting or perhaps even responsible for these sort of strange uh, events that have been happening so all, all of these uh, you, know, you know details and the nature of these the, the, the monsters that appear, you know, might suggest a certain type of story, but this isn't a horror story about people, you know, fighting supernatural monsters. Mm. You know, it's a horror story about the the power of belief, religious fanaticism, uh, the dangers of radicalization, and uh, the negative influence of corrupt but charismatic influencers and leaders uh, who all have the potential to, to cause chaos in society. Right, so clearly it's a story that's touching upon... Uh, real life issues in society mm-hmm. some sort of a social commentary both in Korea and elsewhere I would yes. say so how does Hellbound tackle these issues exactly? Right, yes. Yeah. So, it, you know, it isn't, you know, we, we can forget about the monsters or put them to one side. So what the Hellbound focuses on is the effect that these events uh, have on society. They, what, what, what does this do to the public, this evidence of divine, uh, uh, some kind of divine reality? You know, there's direct evidence of, of some sort of spiritual involvement in, in the life of uh, uh, everyday people. And of course, this sends society into turmoil. You know, the police are, are helpless in the face of this their authority is uh, diminished very quickly and this compounds the already uh, significant social unrest you have cult-like uh, religious groups that that uh, use these supernatural events to 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 build their ranks of followers who are increasingly unhinged and who carry out all sorts of violent acts uh, when they're directed sort of unscrupulously by by these kind of online uh, leaders. And after these each execution, uh, there is this very you know widespread and all too believable speculation across the media and internet about the person who's been ex- executed. You know, people are, are trying you know are, the, they become little investigators themselves and they're trying to find out what did this person do. Wrong. What was the the smallest detail of their life? What was their their sin? And people scour through their lives and their internet history, trying to discern what what these people supposedly did to to 
to be killed like this. Uh, and so everybody lives in this constant state of fear and anxiety, thinking perhaps they could be next. And it seems like reality has come unhinged in some way. And of course, we see the rise of a new religion around these executions. And, and this religion takes control of the major institutions in the country, doesn't welcome any criticism and goes to enormous lengths to silence the people who, who dare to criticize them. And I think the creators, uh, you know, Yon and, and Che, they do a, a mostly very engaging job of depicting all of these things. Mm. Uh, and I think readers will be able to draw their own connections with events that have happened, uh, like you said, in recent years in Korea and uh, elsewhere. Yes, it's a very, how should I say, colourful topic and idea. Yes. Uh-huh. Although, of course, uh, the comic itself is drawn in black and white. Right, yes. Uh-huh. Yep. What do you think of the book then, Barry? It- does sound like it's tackling some very interesting topics and concepts, but does it all come together? Yeah, so it's a very good uh, concept, uh, and execution is mostly compelling. Uh, however, the dialogue, sometimes it's a little on the nose, right? <laughs> I don't know if maybe that's the translation, okay. or but that can be a little off-putting sometimes. Uh, and if, if you look, there are quite a few negative reviews for Hellbound in kind of online uh, uh, sort of book review uh, spaces, but a lot of those reviews, they seem to be because people were expecting something else. Mm. Uh, and especially, I think, the trailer for the Netflix show, uh, if, you, if you've seen that, it sets this up as something quite different from, from what I think many readers uh, might be expecting. That supernatural element, is it's not the focus in a way. It's the effect of the supernatural on people that they're, that they're really looking at and, and using to tell their story. Uh, and they're they're doing this, you know, partly at least partly to comment on on real world uh, issues, or you know, mostly to comment on real world issues. Also, another thing that I should mention: this book's only volume one. Mm. You know, volume two do- does come out sometime sooner. Or maybe it was just uh, released. Uh, and if you've already watched the Netflix show, it only covers the first three episodes of the Netflix adaptation, and it's a very faithful adaptation. So if you have watched it, you might not necessarily be that interested in reading this book if you've if you've watched the show. Right, so three episodes, that's just the first half of the series, the six-episode series, right? Yeah, it's a six-episode series, and this, this volume one of the book only covers the first three episodes, um... And uh, so, but it, but it, yeah, it is still worth reading. I enjoyed it. Uh, and it's mostly, like I said, an engaging story about, you know, very big ideas tackled, uh, you know, with, with uh, imagination and uh, intelligence. Yes, it's also part of an interesting trend in Korea at the moment with webtoons. There have been quite a few TV series and mm-hmm. films that have started life as a webcomic. And it's become a sort of a testing grounds of sorts for right, original yeah, stories and yeah. ideas. Uh this graphic novel uh, you have brought for us is very much the foundation from which the TV series was created. In fact, I understand it's almost like a storyboard with some of the panels recreated almost identically on screen. So uh, you might say fans of the show might say it's uh, redundant, but I think that some of the fans of the show will really enjoy looking at it as a sort Mm -hmm. of like a storyboard, uh, get a kick out of this thing. And uh, the comic almost goes hand in hand with this series, I think. Anyway, once again, it's called The Hellbound by Yun sang And that's all for Career Book Club this week. Barry, thank you for that. And uh, we'll see you next time. OK, take care. This is Swiss flutist Philipp Jund. I am professor of flute at Neuchâtel Conservatory in Switzerland and at Kangam University in Korea. You are listening to Korea 24.
It's time now for Morning Edition Preview, our closing segment, where we take a look at some interesting features, reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers. And for that, our staff editor, Richard Larkin, is here with us once again. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Hello, Jango. OK, so what do you have for us today? I believe we only have one story, right? That's right. Hong Yu's article in the entertainment section of the Korea Herald explains Hallyu 3.0. Hallyu, also known as the Korean Wave, is the global booming Korean pop culture. This article focuses on K-pop. Okay, so I didn't know there was a Hallyu 2.0. <laughs> Can you tell us what is Hallyu 3.0? Well, this is where major labels in South Korea are directly targeting foreign markets by launching idol groups in other countries. The article mentions that the first generation of Hallyu involved debuting Korean artists outside the country. And the second generation involved mixing foreign members into idol groups to gain fans overseas. Mm. K-pop powerhouses are now making their own groups overseas as the next step to expanding the market. Right, I see. Okay, so that explains how you uh, 1.0, 2.0 and 3.0 then. Yes. So uh, what countries are seeing the start of Hallyu 3.0 then? That would be Japan and China. One of the recent examples is Hype, the company behind BTS and Seventeen. This month, it introduced its first Japan-based act called And Team. There are nine members from different countries, including Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and Germany. The group's debut album topped the iTunes Top Album Chart in Japan within a few hours of release. There are recent examples showing that the decision to expand is working. Yes, I guess it does make sense, especially seeing how popular K-pop has become overseas. Right. And it looks like it's the perfect time to create a group in Japan because it was the fifth biggest foreign country consumer of K-pop before the COVID-19 pandemic. Now it is top. There are questions about whether groups that are created overseas can be called K-pop groups. Hmm. But local music critic Jung Duk-hyun said that K-pop is becoming a genre, so it can be performed by acts from other countries. Well, it'll be interesting to see if uh, this Hallyu 3.0 does uh, succeed and we see Hallyu 4.0 down the line as well <laughs> sometime. OK, we'll wrap it up there for Morning Edition Preview. Thank you for that story and we'll see you next time. Thank you. And that's all for our show today as well. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back same time tomorrow, so do join us again then. I've been your host, Kwon jang and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. KBS World Radio.